Hello, Rue. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm very well. Listeners, you're listening to Beardy Dads. Uh, my name's Rue Reynolds, and I've got a ten and a half month old son called Oliver. And I'm Nick O'Leary, and I have got a. What have I got? I've got a four year old Toby, and uh, should we go nine months old, Lauren? Should we say nine months? She's about that, isn't she? Yeah, must be about that. That's as long out as in. In some respects, she's almost doubled her age. <laughs> that's that, what I was just about to say. Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> but um, that's funny. Yes, yeah, she, she's the oldest that she's ever been. And how are things in your house at the moment, Nick? Things are good. Things are very good. I think. Where were we last time? Two weeks ago, um, we were just on the back of half term for Toby. So he's now been back at school for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And I think we're back in the routine of all of that, which is good. I think he's um, slightly unsure having a week off of half term. You know, his first week off school for after, what, six or seven weeks solid of it. Wasn't sure if he would want to go back (laughs) or how easy that would be. But no, he was quite excited to go back and it's all gone swimmingly we've had our first parents evening which is weird you know it's it's again it's we've talked a lot about the milestones of babies but your first parents evening (laughs) as the parent of a school child was um yeah that was good did it suddenly make you feel like a grown-up yeah you you walk into the classroom and you see the display of the dinosaurs on the side which um yeah we, we we should talk about kids homework in reception and um, yes, we'll come back to that. But yeah, it was weird, but it was fun. It was good. Um, it wasn't completely alien to us because we, we had done, even at nursery, we would have not a parent's evening, but I think they did like a termly consultation just so you could find out how things were going. So that whole thing of just Joe and I going in to have a chat with one of their, well, the teacher or when it's nursery, when the nursery workers, yeah, we've, we've, We've sort of experienced that, so it wasn't a completely new experience. But still, uh, just saying, I've got parents' evening. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it works. Sorry, guys, I've got to leave now. I've got to go to parents' evening. That was just weird. I remember as a child, parents' evening being quite a, a stressful thing. Mm. And I'm sure it's not with uh, with a... Well, what's the a special name, isn't there, for the first year of school? It's called reception, isn't it? Reception, yeah. I'm sure reception children don't feel stressed about what their teachers are going to be telling their parents. No, no. And in fact, I think Toby would have been pretty oblivious to him. The first for him that evening was he went back with one of his school friends back to the school friend's house and had tea w- oh, at nice. his school friend's house. Um, and we picked him up after we had been into the school. Oh, I'll go around um, and see a friend. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Which was... Just slightly weird going around to pick up your son after school from someone else's house. You know, again, <laughs> all these firsts. But um, that's good. But um, yeah, so he's really enjoying school, which is all lovely. And Lauren is sleeping better. I think last time we spoke, she was sleeping better then. That's carried on. Um, we, we haven't really had the 4am wake-ups. We have had a couple sort of half five wake-ups hmm. um and i i don't think we've done as good a job as we could have done um settling her back down how do you mean i mean uh, it's all too easy at that sort of time to think well the alarm's going off in an hour we're up we may as well stay up so i think a couple times we've perhaps 
I, when I say we, you know, it's it's either Joe or I, whilst the other is still fast asleep in bed, hmm. um, taken her down or just not tried to settle her back down. Just treat that as starting the yeah, day. Yeah, which is a bad habit because then, it, you know, it doesn't encourage her to go back to sleep and the risk is she's going to be used to just being gotten up whenever she wakes up. So hmm. um, it's tricky. It's tricky when, you know, when you look at the clock and you think, well, you know, the alarm's going to go off in half an hour or something. It's And it's going to take that long to settle her down, at which point we'd get her up anyway. Hmm. It's difficult. But um, but still, the fact she's not waking up through the night or in the evenings is, is all good. Yeah, that's good. I'm pleased about yeah. that. Yeah, how's Oliver getting on? Yeah, really good, thank you. Yeah, he's had, um, so in the last couple of weeks, he's been sleeping pretty well as well. We had had a, an occasional um, disturbance in the middle of the night, but, but especially for the last week, he's been really solid, really, really reliable, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still only got two teeth, and he's still not talking, but he's uh, he's growing up, and he's getting interested in things a lot more. Um, the thing that he's really amused by at the moment is, uh, you know those toys with wooden shapes that you slot through so yeah uh extruded plastic prisms of different uh different cross section uh and then the uh the one that we've got is a like a a sphere with lots of different apertures around the outside that you can slide these these different shapes into yeah uh, and he's really fascinated by this he watches you do it and then after a few a few goes of you know putting the square one through the square hole he'll sort of laugh and and reach forward and get excited by it. So today I, I gave him one of the shapes and uh, and just held it still for him. Uh, and mm. and he very quickly started trying to imitate what he'd seen and, and try to put it through the hole. His right. fine motor skill, obviously, at you know, n- nearly 11 months, isn't that great. So he's hmm. not uh, he's not reliably putting it through. But he he's really trying. He he knows what yeah. he's trying to do, and he's he's definitely making um, making the right motions. Just doesn't quite have the control yet. Um, yeah. So he's he's playing a lot, um, and he's yeah really nice to be around. It's really sort of pleasant at the moment. It's uh, that's good. Yeah, it's good. Life is life is good, and I'm sitting at home with a glass of water and a glass of whiskey in front of me. Life is uh, pretty pretty good at the moment, Nick. Well, that's lovely, Rue. That's lovely. What's what's your beverage of choice this evening? Have you got some tea going on there? I've got a recently finished cup of tea and um, the crumbs of a couple bits of Toblerone. Toblerone? Yes. Ooh. We we broke into the Christmas Toblerone a bit early and a bit of a chocolate emergency earlier. <laughs> you do need a bit of chocolate in the evenings, I find. Yeah, and Toblerone's quite good when you get one of the big ones. You can, you break off a couple pieces, and you know you can put the rest back. Yes, you like can a ration bar of Toblerone. chocolate. Where yeah, well, if you, you just... open a bar of chocolate, that's gone. Yeah, but Toblerone, I suppose, it's easier to ration. And oh yeah, with a nice cup of tea, that sounds like a very pleasant evening. It was very nice. Hello, Nick. Welcome, Busy Dads. We've got some follow up from uh, last episode. Uh, do you remember David Jenkins had been in touch to say that his baby had been born to the one and only by Chesney Hawks? I do indeed, and I think we we were curious to know how intended or purposeful that particular 
song was for the birth of the child, weren't we? We were, and we asked. We we wanted to know, David, was it uh, Hospital Radio or Jack FM or what was it? Uh, and he's, he's emailed uh, to let us know. He said, to clarify, we were told there was a CD player in the operating theatre, so my wife brought along a compilation CD to listen to. It was called Poptastic, Pure Pop Classics. Highlights included Sugar Sugar by The Archies, Tiger Feet by Mud, and Kung Fu Fighting by Carl Douglas. The staff in the theatre quite enjoyed it too. Chesney Hawks just happened to be playing at the moment May was brought into the world. May's now not quite two weeks old, and being a bit of a fussy breastfeeder and sleeper, we'll pass on any tips if we find anything that works. That was from David Jenkins. Thank you, David. This part of this, I'd be fascinated to know, um, in, you know, sort of 20 years' time, does that particular song being you know that may was brought to the world hearing that song does that have any bearing on on the character that had she come out hearing kung fu fighting <laughs> you know, it, does it would it have any sort of deep-seated psychological impact on the, on their development who knows yeah does it affect your career choice and the music that yes. you're born to or even uh in a few years time will um will the one and only uh, by Chesney Hawks, which is quite a, for me, nostalgic tune. That's bringing back memories of uh, of childhood. Um, but will it, for you, David, and, and your your wife, will that evoke memories of, of the birth? Presumably it will, and it will always, uh, you know, raise hairs on the back of your neck. It's quite an exciting thought that such yeah. a terrible song can now have such meaning in your life. And we have, we have heard from some others as to what songs their children were born to, in um, particular uh, part-time Bob Ferris um, got in touch and said, his first daughter was born to take that's greatest day, um, but his wife can't remember and doesn't believe it because it wasn't certainly wasn't their choice. Well, that's that's a really good track, I would say. The greatest day. That's um, it's a little cliche. It's a little. Well, it's quite ITV, isn't it? But it's the sort of thing. Oh, that, so so ITV. If you were scripting but, a birth, that's exactly what you'd yeah. have in the background. Or it would be uh, elbows on a day like this. Or anything by Sigur Ross. And also on Twitter, uh, Lopter got in touch to saying, whilst it wasn't being played in the operating room, uh, American Baby by Dave Matthews' band was getting a lot of airplay when when their child was born. Um, and it, it suddenly sort of struck a chord, particularly in the early days. Well, that's another very appropriate track for giving birth to. Absolutely. So let's hear some more. Um, you know, listeners, what what tracks, intentional or otherwise, have you... Have you had your children arrive to? Or maybe you're planning. Plenty of our listeners are expecting their children in the coming days, weeks, months. Have you thought about what track you want? Or does it fill you with the fear and the horror, just even imagining the idea? Yeah, Yeah. let us know. Um, You can reach us, as always, on Twitter, and we are Beardy Dads. And we're podcast at beardydads.co.uk if you want to email and of course, remember, you can also record your thoughts, send it along, and be in the show. Baby Dads! Something else we were talking about last week was audiobooks. Jakob Turtle, and my apologies, Jakob, if I'm, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, uh, is from Germany, and he's emailed in to say that he's got a suggestion for an audiobook. He says, As I have a five-month-old daughter, I've listened to about half of Scientific Secrets for Raising Kids Who Thrive by Peter M. Vishden for the past weeks and I can thoroughly recommend it. Topics are packed to about half-hour chunks, so this should be great for listening during your daily commute and walk around town. The audio is available from audible.com, and there's also a video version on thegreatcourses.com. Although he says he's not sure if the video adds very much 
value. It sounds fascinating. I might have to dust off my Audible account and see if I've got any credits for a download. Um, yeah, it sounds like a sounds like an interesting one. Rue, we talked uh, last last episode quite a bit about routines and how they've been. Well, you'd certainly found establishing a good routine was key to getting Oliver to sort of settle and and sleep through better. Yes, much more sanity um, in our lives now. And I think I think we talked about how we were trying to get something of a routine. Although again, we're we're not being too. I don't think we're doing hard and fast routine, but we sort of recognise the patterns through the day of when Lauren needs a sleep in the morning and and in the afternoon. Hmm. Uh, we we heard from Andrew Wheaton. Um, regular contributor around the sorts of routines they've got if you remember Andrew they recently had twins sort of double trouble he writes saying how they established four hourly feeds as soon as the boys were home apart from the week or so it took us to work out the boys had colic they've been in a solid sleep routine from day one this really has helped the boys but it's also helped us as there's no other option but to be organized with twins (laughs) I can imagine yeah we now have two five-month-old babies who sleep from 6 p.m to 6 a.m 8am to 10am, and 12pm to 2pm. The period between 2 and 6 is filled with playing, the last feed and a bath, and this is usually is enough to tip them over the edge back to sleep for 12 hours. I also fully endorse the nappy off time one of your contributors does with his sons. It gives our boys some freedom to roll and kick and tire themselves pre-bath. I think the main advice I would give is routine is key. Keeping baby to a set schedule, English pronunciation, schedule, or th- schedule, Although tough in some circumstances, helps you in the long run. Wow, I'm really impressed, Andrew. Having five months old, especially for twins, this is probably extra important as well. But in such a really well-established pattern, I'm I'm super impressed. Absolutely. I I don't want to be the bringer of bad news, but I'd be interested to know whether either of them have started teething. Because oh, I think yeah, could it get harder as they as they get older? Yes. Um. But uh, you know, it's I think it's absolutely brilliant. You've got that solid routine. And I think from our experience, there are some inevitable things that, that are going to disrupt that routine slightly. But hopefully, if you've got it so well established, then even if it wanders a little when you're dealing with teething, that sort of thing, then hopefully it shouldn't take too much work to re-establish it. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. I'd always imagined that with twins, it would be more than twice as hard because you've got two babies trying to sleep at the same time. Almost always, I imagine, in the same room. So if one wakes up, then the other one's going to be set off as well. Uh, yeah, you'd imagine that this would significantly increase the probability of one of them being awake constantly. No, I can, I can imagine that's a real challenge. Mm. We do have quite a few listeners who've got twins, I've noticed. I think the proportion of Beardy Dad's listeners who have twins is much higher than the proportion of twins havers in the general population. <laughs> yes, or, or maybe the parents of twins just feel more of a need to reach out and connect with us. <laughs> they need extra extra help and reassurance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe that's true. Who knows? Or maybe they're just more sociable people. But Andrew also writes looking for some advice. Specifically, he's looking for advice on rolling. So his boys have both got to the age now where um, they've moved to their own bedroom, but despite wearing the grow bags, they often wake up on their fronts, which he finds a little bit worrying. Oh, yes, the grow bags, which are great sort of baby sleeping bag slash straight jacket I find does very little to prevent them from rolling over no absolutely um yeah doesn't at all but certainly in this house we have a fairly relaxed view on that because Toby I think slept on his front from fairly early on and Lauren we kept her on her back um 
for, for the first few months. But when we went through one of the really unsettled periods, we just found she settled so much better on her front. And now we put her down on her front and yeah. have done for two or three months. Yeah, we've always put Oliver down on his back, but for the last few months he's rolled onto his front and that's the only way that he'll settle himself to sleep. So, yeah, yeah Andrew, if it's any consolation, I'd say don't worry about it. For many years the advice was that babies would uh, be best lying on their fronts anyway. So there's been generations of kids that have grown up with that being the yeah. the uh, mandated way of doing it. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I certainly initially had that panicky reaction that, oh, my goodness, he's lying on his front, got to turn him over, got to turn him over. Um, but, yeah. yeah, especially as he's, as he's got older, I've just let him sleep how he wants to sleep. Yeah. I also think if, if as your kids are at the point where they can roll themselves, presumably they're not going to get the distress that they're stuck on their fronts. If, if they don't like it, they can roll onto their back. And I think I seem to remember, you know, the advice is to sleep on their backs in the very early days. Yeah, a five-week-old is very different from a five-month-old. Yeah. So I hope um, that's reassuring, Andrew. Uh, you're not doing anything wrong. I'm sure everything's fine. And, yes. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think uh, at the age of 18, they're not going to be uh, lying on their backs as instructed. No. And you probably wouldn't have been the first to... I'm, I'm sure you would have considered some heavy-duty Velcro applied in the right place on both the grow bag and on the, on the, on the mattress. I've wondered and about you... magnets, strong magnets. Yes, you like your strong magnet ideas. <laughs> strong magnets could work. Although, yeah, definitely not, not to be ingested. No. Nick, a few weeks ago we were talking about teeth and uh, the fact that your, your baby Lauren now has... Well, last time we spoke it was five teeth. Is that, has that in- increased at all? Uh, six. Six teeth now. Two on the bottom, four up top. Goodness me. Um, And I mentioned that we'd got our first toothbrush a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, I found a better one. We found, uh, I think it's from Othercare, they do a very nice rubber toothbrush, um, which is a lot easier to deal with um, than a a traditional bristly toothbrush. Um, It's it's like, uh, imagine, imagine if you will, Nick, a gum shield such as a boxer or a rugby player might wear. Right, yeah. And then on the inside surface, it's uh, it's nubbly. It's got like a rippled surface. Yeah. Um, and you can apply some toothpaste um, and, and let them just chew on it. Works incredibly well. It's really stress-free because it's, it's just custom designed to be bitten down on and, and chewed on. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's not, you know, giving the same sort of brushing experience that I'm getting with my Philips Sonicare electric toothbrush. But equally, you know, these, these teeth I've, I always considered are fairly disposable. These are expendable teeth. These, these baby teeth, they're going to they're gonna yeah. go in a few years anyway. We have just got a regular baby toothbrush. Um, you know, all intense purposes looks like a toothbrush. Mm. And yeah, just give, them, give, give her teeth a gentle little brush. I, what I find quite pleasing... And I don't know if this is always the case, but certainly it's with Lauren. They are coming in evenly and symmetrically. They often do, don't they? Yeah. The the fact you know we've got the front two, and and we had the front uh, the front two at the bottom, the front two at the top, and now the ones either side of the front two on top have come through. Mm. And it's quite pleasing. You you don't get that sort of lopsided grin <laughs> inevitably when. When they start falling out in a few years' time, you'll get but fun gaps. But it does mean she can really take bites out of you. Yes, Oliver bit my nose quite hard earlier. Oh, oh yeah. ouch! Yeah, I, I remember 
quite vividly with Toby when he was must be around Lauren's age. I was asleep on the bed and he was just playing around with you know with Joe there, and he woke me up with a bite on the nose. <laughs> yeah, I, I was shocking. I wasn't fully asleep. You know, I was just sort of dozing, aware that he's just playing and crawling on me and over my face and stuff. And then just out of nowhere, <laughs> this searing pain as as these teeth clamp onto my nose. Did you manage not to react violently? Yeah, yeah. I find yeah that you learn that. <laughs> That you have to learn that quite quickly with with little ones who can bite and um, scratch, yeah, unknowingly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was half dreaming this morning of um, a dentist or a doctor, it was some some professional person who, for some reason, was um, was dressed up like a dead body, right? And then, as a patient came in, decided to sh- to shock them. None of this makes any sense, of course. So anyway, there's a doctor, the doctor pretends to be dead, somebody comes in and the doctor waits until the, the person can be sufficiently shocked by realising this, this uh, you know, person isn't, isn't dead after all. And what I began to worry about and, and think through was, in an age of zombie movies, is it very risky to be scaring somebody and making them think that you might be a zombie when there's a pen nearby? Because... If you've watched Walking Dead, you know the first thing you're going to do is aim for the eye socket. <laughs> I was genuinely concerned that this doctor should probably make sure that there were no sharp objects on the desk before employing this prank. Yes. There was also a Halloween video did the rounds of a, an army veteran who had lost his legs, made up as a zombie in a lift with fake legs and entrails. Oh, no. And the prank, you know, the door opens and someone is about to step in and they see this body you know torn in half body but then the the upper body suddenly s- sort of sits up and then starts running because <laughs> oh, this horrifying. you know this guy's he's not got his lower legs but he's got and starts chasing him with this with the entrails dragging behind and you think i mean this is a prank in america where in many states people carry guns oh that's even worse than having a pen to hand I know. It's, and if you're going to do that sort of scare the crap out of someone in a surprise like that, you've got to kind of hope <laughs> they're not going to Check to react see if they've got entirely a concealed in unexpected license. way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I anyway. hadn't thought of that at all. Well, you've given me something slightly. else to think about. Yes. Beardy Dads. Beardy Dads listener Cushman has been in touch with a question. Uh, Cushman says over Twitter, Wife is induced in 10 days. Any last-minute items you recommend or advice? I have baby bag, mum's bag, and geek bag of cameras and iPad. Sounds like all the bags you need, really. The geek bag is probably what you're talking about for yourself. But, yeah, don't forget your own bag. Yeah, a change of clothes for yourself, because you don't know how long you might be there as well. Um, Change of clothes, definitely a good idea. I would say nibbles as well. Yeah, nibbles and drinks. Your geek bag might be full of various cables and... Spare batteries and and uh, chargers and things, but unless you've yeah. also thrown in some some uh, food and drink, you might be irritated by the hospital by the time you get out. Yes, because I, I I know we've talked about it before, probably very early on, but it was always made very clear to us and our NCT classes that dads, you've got to look after yourselves. If during the delivery you pass out because you've not been eating or drinking, well, you're not the important person in the room, so you'll get dragged to one side and left yeah. whilst they keep continue focusing on mum. Nobody's making you a cup of tea or getting you a slice of toast. No. So you need to go prepared for feeding yourself as yeah, and, and 
your partner but um it's really easy to overlook as well when you're in the room and you're trying to be helpful you won't want to go hunter gathering you're not going to want to leave no. the room and you know go and find the nearest prep or whatever make sure you've figured out how you get into the hospital make sure you have a big bag of pound coins loose change for whatever parking because you know hospital car parking is very very rarely free in this country and it's extortionally expensive and again you don't want to be worrying about having to top out to top up the meter or have to dash out to get some loose change to top up the meter where we went at winchester maternity ward would give a little slip of paper that you could put on your dashboard saying you know we're we're <laughs> off having a baby being born to give you some leeway but that that's that's easily overlooked but don't yeah, make sure you're prepared for that as well. Yes, yeah. Unless you're confident that this hospital uh, lets you pay by card, then uh, definitely having some jingly money in your pocket is going to be a very good idea. Yeah. Oh, and of course, Cushman, don't forget the pop hits of the '90s CD that you're going to want to have on uh, during the, the final True. final moments. Um, and yeah. and good luck to you. Uh, by the time the next Beardy Dads comes out, you'll you'll almost certainly have have uh, had a baby. That's that's super exciting. Yeah, you'll be a dad. So. Do let us know how it gets on. Um, we, we always do like to hear the stories. For all of our bumbling advice around what else you should take, let us know what you forgot. Yeah, tell us what you took and what you, sh- what you wish you'd taken afterwards so yes. that other people can benefit from it. Yeah, I think that would be really useful. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Beardy Dads! Right at the beginning of the episode, Nick, you said that you had your first parents' evening, and also that, uh, that homework is a thing in your life now. Tell us about homework. We haven't had a lot. I'd had heard some stories how even at reception they get so much homework, it's ridiculous. Well, I guess in some regards there is some expectation of stuff we, we should be doing at home with him, which is reading with him, that type of stuff. But that's stuff we do anyway, so it doesn't really feel like homework. But we did have, for the first half term, they did um, a lot of work around dinosaurs, mm. learning about dinosaurs. And they had a task over a couple of weeks, I think three weeks, where first they had to design a dinosaur for themselves with a aim to then make a physical model of it. Okay. So this design had to explain what they would use for the different parts. And that was fine. He sort of drew a dinosaur. Then Joe helped him um, figure out, you know, what use a cereal box here, use egg carton there, that type of stuff. Okay, I'm with you, yeah. And that was fine. And then, of course, they have to make the dinosaur. Bearing in mind, these are four and five-year-olds. Joe helped Toby and inevitably ended up doing quite a bit, trying to keep it true to what Toby had described that he wanted and getting Toby to do as much as he was prepared to do. (laughs) But, you know, inevitably in the end, Joe probably did the lion's share of it. At parents' evening, they had on display on the side all the different dinosaurs. And where I thought we had gone over the top... (laughs) Boy, some parents had overachieved. You know, there were some amazingly paper mached huge models of dinosaurs that you just know if the child did anything, they were allowed to hold a paintbrush and put a bit of paint on before the parent finished doing the texture. And, they might have you know, stirred the paste. Exactly. And it just feels like it's a bit silly. Yeah, you know, it's okay, the first thing. And, and for all the parents who are, this is the first time through it, they don't really know how much how much should we be doing is it a case of spot the only children well there was a bit of that yeah and <laughs> uh yeah and so there were some incredible models and which you just know the kids didn't do overachieving parents and i'm i'm kind of hoping we don't end up 
you know, because it's fun to do. Make you know, I'd quite enjoy sitting down doing a paper mache model of a dinosaur. And I, I kind of hope we don't fall into that trap of overachieving. <laughs> but there was one, there was one which was amazing, um, and it reminded me of Indiana Jones' um, Last Crusade, where he has to pick the Holy Grail, the cup. Oh yes. Yeah, and there are all these absolutely stunning, you know, ornate cups, increasingly shiny, and then he finds increasingly the one shiny. That's but, but spoiler alert: no, he picks the. The wooden cup, mm. you know, the humble wooden cup. There was this one dinosaur, and I use the term loosely. It was a empty Coke bottle with the label removed, with a couple bits of cut-out paper stuck on with a bit of a scribble, which was so obviously almost 100% the work of a four-year-old. And that's lovely, isn't it? With very almost next to no parental input at all. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, and it was brilliant. It was it was of them all. It was the one you could tell the kid actually did what they wanted. Mm. But then it kind of made me feel bad that if the kid brought that in feeling really proud, and then saw all these other dinosaurs where the parents Ooh. had just hugely overachieved. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, and it actually made me feel awkward seeing that and thinking, oh, that. Um, but probably too young to have all those complicated emotions around on the seeing all these much more shiny and elaborate dinosaurs that <laughs> grown-ups had made. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting going on how with all of the homework, which is you know, obviously meant to be the child's work, but I think how, how much you see the pr- parents' influence in, in getting it done. Hmm. Well, Nick, the years of fun that we have ahead of us. Indeed. So we've had some new iTunes reviews, Rue. It's my favourite part of the show. It is always good. So, first up, uh, we've got a review by Logan's Run uh, called Informative Chat, five stars. Rue and Nick combine just the right amount of research, experience and guesswork to be informative, reassuring and entertaining. This is a must-listen for any prospective dads like myself who are finding impending parenthood a bit daunting. It's great to hear from two dads who seem to find such joy in being parents. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Logan's Run. Uh, and another review from Jim24, who, uh, again, five stars, uh, says, informative and entertaining. As a beardy dad to a two-year-old, I was pleasantly surprised to find this podcast to be essential listening for mums and dads navigating the early years of parenthood. Ruin Nick's laid-back presenting style is entertaining, informative, and a great insight into the world of fatherhood for dads and dads-to-be. Keep up the good work, guys. Excellent. Well, thanks, both of you. I think uh, Logan was quite right how we do mix research experience and guesswork well the thing i like most is when people who know a lot more about this stuff than than you or i get in touch and let us know what we need to know and um, <laughs> yes. yeah that's that's definitely why i'm doing this so yeah um a gentle reminder do do uh, record yourselves and uh, drop us a line podcast at beardydads.co.uk is probably the best place absolutely and as ever, at Beardy Dads on the Twitter. Now, normally at this stage, I would say thank you to all the people who've been in touch uh, and who've been tweeting to us and about us this week. I, I've, I've not done my homework this week, Nick. I've not made the list. Well, in which case, I'm going to say uh, thank you very much to uh, Peter Fletcher, Lopter and Cushman. Wow, that's impressive. You just knew that. Well, that's the advantage of having TweetDeck open with a search for Beardy Dads. Oh, you're awesome. Um, well, and there you go. And and yes, to those people and anyone else who's uh, been been mentioned in this episode, obviously, and as ever, 
Wes West for our theme tune has uh, done us proud. Well, Rue, it's been another fortnight, another episode. I suspect we'll do it all over again in a couple of weeks' time. Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, for now, thanks, Nick. Thanks, everyone. And see you again in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Cheers, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.